It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Support for this podcast comes from WGU. Do you want a more skilled, loyal, and effective workforce? Consider a partnership with Western Governors University. Over 300 organizations already count on WGU for valuable education benefits. Students can fit schooling around their schedules and even complete courses and degrees sooner than planned. And it's all online. Partner with WGU to make a smart investment in your company's and your employees' future. Learn more at wgu.edu slash partnerships. Who they think you're going to beat them Bengals? It is the Lockdown Bengals podcast with your hosts, Joe Goodberry and Jake Lisko. Find us on Twitter at Joe Goodberry and at Jake underscore NFL. Please like, subscribe, and share as we try to grow this community and pump out daily Bengals content just for you. What up, Bengals fans? Happy draft week. It is that time. We're here. We're four days away from the first pick in the NFL draft. And in the spirit of that, we'll be getting to a a bonus edition of Mock Draft Monday. We're going to have two this week. Today, we're going to do the what would we do if we were making the choice for the Bengals. The next time you hear us do a mock draft, it'll be on Wednesday, I believe. And it'll be a what will they do based on all the knowledge we have and, and all of the stuff that Joe has tracked on what the Bengals are likely to do. You'll see some more from him on The Athletic this week about how they usually behave in the draft. And also, if you want to just, if, if five days a week and this week we'll do seven days. Yeah, because yeah. the draft, we're, we're going to be in your ears all week. If you just need a little bit more Joe Goodberry in your ears, go check out the Bengals UK podcast for about an hour and 20 minutes. Joe had a, an excellent conversation about mostly draft-focused stuff, I think. Yeah, that was the idea. But we talked general Bengals and a little bit of Avengers stuff because that's also coinciding this week. It was pretty It was pretty sparse, the Avengers talk. It sounded like you guys were going to get into it, and then he said, you know what, we'll talk about it. Off well, air, I, I must then. be thinking of off air then, because yeah. you know how that works. You think yeah. you can't always remember what you talked about yeah, on air or not. Definitely. So before we get to the what would we do mock draft, and we're not going to do any trades, but we're going to go through all 11 picks, uh, and we're going to pick according to what we would do in those spots based on who's available. Before we get there, we have our next mock madness update. So That's who right. won? I think it was... Hawkinson uh, won. An easy victory for TJ Hawkinson over Montez Sweat, which... 66 to 34. Judging from what we've heard from Dave Lapham in his preliminary What Will the Bengals Do report, since he was on the Bengals UK podcast last week, and that's where I listened to the first Lapham predictions. His official prediction will come on Tuesday when he and Dan Horde record the Bengals Booth podcast. Uh, but on the UK Bengals podcast, he did not mention Hawkinson once. The tight ends did not come up. However, who did come up? Montez Sweat, Rashawn Gary, and then to a lesser extent, he talked about Nick Bosa and Josh Allen as well in case they're there. Yeah. So it's it's interesting that that our our fans, our listeners, the people voting on this poll, 
by 30% prefer TJ Hawkinson to Montez Sweat. The Bengals, however, appear to be paying no attention to the first round tight end options. Unless they're throwing us off completely, right? I mean, that is always an option. Yep. You kind of, you actually, I think deep down inside, I hope they are. I Do hope so too. Like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, then we're not alone. I think some fans feel that way also. Like that this time, finally, throw us off completely. I wouldn't be mad. I'd be happy. You know, this. I'd be like, oh, I expect Montez Sweat to be the pick. It's T.J. Hawkinson. Great. I'd be ecstatic about it. I think Hawkinson is a easy top ten player in this draft. I think he's a perfect tight end prospect. To be honest, I'm not surprised this poll went 66 34 yeah. the way it did. Uh, but I do. It does feel like. They aren't looking in that direction at tight end in, in round one, and that maybe Montesua is higher on their board than we expected. And he grades well for us. Jake, I know you went back and watched recently to maybe uh, tweak it, and I did too. In the last 24 hours, I tweaked his grade a little bit on our seat because um, he's getting ranked really high. I think if you just went – you made a good point at replying to someone else. If you just went by Montez Sweat's tape grade that we assigned for him, he'd be a late first rounder, maybe maybe 20s to 32 type first round pick, and that's fine. But then the production scores really boost him up. The the PFF scores boost him up. The athleticism testing really boosts him up. It's mostly, I think, production and athleticism. And then there's a little bit of a boost as well from PFF. But his PFF grading isn't amazing. It's good. Right. It's good. And it's good enough. You know, and I think that's the thing is and we talked about it throughout this process uh, and we get into it with, with I, I have this conversation a lot with other fans and they say, well, it's the same guy he was. And they, they use this when they talk about Devin Bush. He's the same guy he was before the combine. Why are these guys getting pushed up now to where we're considering them at 11? And it's because they're more valuable and they're more likely to reach their peak in the NFL because of these measurables. And that's why they do them. And so it's an important factor. So for while Sweat's not a perfect prospect by any means, he ends up grading pretty high for us. And if it's true to how the Bengals do it, too, then I imagine he's high on their board. Yeah, there are a few flags for Montez Sweat for sure. And and there are a few reasons that I kind of almost hope that they don't draft him at eleven. Uh, one of those being that there are all these rumors that he's off several teams' boards and he's looking at a fall into day two. Yeah. The other one being just that I don't when when you put the tape on for him, it's just you don't see the the crazy production. You see him winning on on effort and persistence yep. and hustle and cleanup. You see him winning on stunts from time to time, and against bad tackles, he'll beat him around the edge. But you know, you turn it on against Jonah Williams or Dalton Reisner, and those sorts of plays aren't there. It's, yeah, it's, Max Sharping too, I think. Right? No, that I'm thinking of Brian Burns. I'm sorry. Yeah. So well, yes, you're right. I, I'm still waiting to see him make the agility show up on tape. Right? He shows yeah. some bend from time to time, but it's just I would expect enough. the way he tested for the tape to be flashier. Well, if you think about it, and that we've had this conversation when we when the Bengals drafted Marcus Hunt, I had the same conversation when they drafted Jordan Willis. Yeah. And now those aren't those aren't two names I want to attach to Montez Sweat. Yeah, it's but different, it, different production, right? It is. Uh, even though I, I believe uh, Willis was really production productive, but I, I'm thinking of the testing. And those guys, they look stiff on tape, but they tested like it shouldn't be an issue, and they can overcome it and figure it out once their technique balance and and they grow into their body a little bit more. That's the hope, I think, with Sweat also. I don't think he's ever going to be a guy that's going to dip around the corner and, and, and threaten the edge all the time. Instead, yeah. people have compared him to Carlos Dunlap, where if he wins with that long, strong inside arm, 
he's going to control that blocker and, and cause damage. He's probably going to be a guy that gets more pressures than he does sacks. He may be an eight-sack-a-year guy, but a guy that gets a lot of pressures and defends the run really well and gives you high-effort play. The one thing, though, that I saw, and I, and I love, it, love it in term of, terms of analytics and, and projection, uh, zero batted passes, and that's yeah. a big thing that's, apparently that's gotta for be edge guys. That's got to be coaching. Like, There's no way Montez Sweat is never going to bat, bat down a pass in four years in the NFL. And when you watch them, they are very rush upfield, control the lane. They'll actually, you see a lot of times, if they'll rush too far on the quarterback and spin back towards the line of scrimmage and, to clean up on the on the hustle. And so it's got to be coaching. I agree with that. I think it is. And and I wonder if teams see that and go, yeah, there's much more to him than, than what he's shown on tape. Yeah, I, I think I recall, actually, now that I'm thinking of it, only one play where he even tries to get his hands up. I just yeah. I don't remember it happening very often when I went back and watched. Rashawn Gary also zero betted passes. Yeah, but he's got a, he's on the whole other spectrum for production. So yeah, totally yeah, he's on the low end. Yep. So Hawkinson won, and it makes sense. Hawkinson will go on to face. Is it Devin or is it? Uh, sorry, it'll be one of the linebackers. Don't you? Right? It, it will be one of the line- okay. Perfect segue then, because today you'll be voting on Devin Bush and Devin White. I know that some of our vocal followers think that Devin Bush is severely overrated and probably shouldn't be picked in the first round. And they think that, you know, the fact that he had a good combine has Ugh, boosted Ohio him. State fans <laughs> has boosted him up too far. And maybe, maybe it is the Ohio State fans, right? Maybe, maybe it is. But the, the, I don't know. I, I, I can see it too. Like there is a narrative that is coherent that is he's gone too high up draft boards because he tested well because we weren't test we weren't expecting him to test as well as Devin White and then he did right right and that's that's the key factor right we liked him in fact we tried to target him as many times as possible at pick 42 remember Jake yeah and then uh and we were ecstatic every time it was a slam dunk pick every time he was there we're like yeah Devin Bush because we we all really liked him we thought the highest he would go was was to the uh Pittsburgh Steelers at 20 yeah now that seems like the floor right like the lowest he's gonna go is 20 and people have said recently he's going top 15 no matter what so it's funny because when you talk to evaluators and not just, you know, the fans. I think the fans are, are weary of a guy who shoots up boards in, at the Combine, and that's that's fine. But when you talk to people, I was on a podcast the Friday night with Josh Norris, Ben Fennel, Dane Brugler, and Ted Wynn, guys I really respect, great eyes for the game. Obviously, these guys are professionals for in every sense of the word. Uh, we built a draft board, and we ranked our top 10 guys. And it, that'll be out Monday. So if you're listening to this on a Monday, it's probably out. Look, Go on Josh Norris's or my Twitter feed, and you'll find it on there somewhere. But uh, spoiler alert, we end up putting Devin Bush in the top 10 and not Devin White. These guys were all in on Bush, completely all in, and had some reservations on White, even though we all really liked him. And he ended up being like 11, 12 in our, in our top uh, board. And... And, you know, you think if he doesn't go four or five in in this draft, maybe there is an opportunity for him to be there at 11. And I'm talking about Devin White. So it'll be interesting, I think, to see how our fan base, how the Bengals fan base votes on White versus Bush. I think White will win, but I think it's way closer than than, than we ever expected or realized. I think both guys have gotten pushed up, not only because of their athletic testing, but when you look at the second and third tier of this linebacker unit, uh, this linebacker draft class, it's bad. It's, it's There's a... There's a there's a big gap between these guys in the next tier. And because of it, these guys may get pushed up because if you don't draft them, Dane Brugler of the athletic said he doesn't expect the next linebacker to be drafted until late second round and possibly third round. Yeah. 
I think that's true. And all the people that are talking about take Blake Cashman at 42, I think the Dane Brugler, I hope at least, is right. Because, I mean, yeah. you talk about a guy shooting up draft boards. He went from who who's that to second right, round, round real fast. Yep, yep. you're right. Which is a bit too much. And for now me. it sounds like it's cooled back down and he's probably third, maybe even Which fourth. Which is round. probably where he's always been, right? And, and yeah. it's just everyone else is catching up with the NFL. Yeah, that's how it works. That's we, how it goes. It's, it's got a rubber band effect when we when we do this, especially from the outside. When you start talking about guys that are rising and falling late in the process, occasionally it is true that an NFL team discovers a guy and now now he's on somebody's board in the fourth round, whereas maybe he wasn't on the NFL's radar. But most of the time, it's that information is trickling out to guys like Dame Brugler, et cetera. The, the really connected guys that have been doing it a long time, Mel Kuyper, Todd McShay, you name it, they're getting information from teams. They're connected. That that's, I, I that's how to, boards uh, change. I listened to Kuiper and McShay this weekend too. They had some good oh, yeah. stuff. Yeah, they're on ESPN Radio, I believe, and uh, just some of the guys that they, they were talking about. Uh, you know, second tier tight ends. They really like. They said Josh Oliver, third round. And you know, we've been on him. He's high for us. He's our number three tight end. Mm-hmm. So when I heard that, it, it really peaked my ears up. Anyway, the focus of this first segment is go vote. Once we put the poll up, would you rather have Devin White or Devin Bush? If those are the choices at number 11. And I think I know which way you're going to vote, but I hope someone surprises me. I hope this the, the fan base surprises me here and it's a little closer than expected. I think this could be our closest of the uh, mock madness. And with that, we'll head to break. Stick with us. We'll be back for our final mock draft Monday. We'll do another draft later in the week, but this is our final Monday version where we're going to draft based on who we think the Bengals should draft. The next one will be who we think the Bengals will draft. And that's will be late. that'll be later in the week. Stick with us. This is Ross Jackson from Locked on Saints. This podcast is brought to you by Carvana. In the age of online retailers, buying a car should be no different. And that's why Carvana invented a brand new way for you to buy a car that's 100% online. Without leaving the comfort of your couch, you can browse and buy from their selection of almost 20,000 cars. And once you've made the purchase, your car comes to you, delivered right to your door, or you can go and pick it up from one of the coin-operated car vending machines. All of Carvana's cars come with a seven-day return policy, ensuring that you get a car that fits perfectly with your life. Not happy? Exchange it or return it for a full refund. And with its dedication to customer service, it's why hundreds of thousands of customers have ditched the dealership and given Carvana 4.7 stars in customer satisfaction. So check it out. The nation's fastest growing auto retailer at Carvana.com, C-A-R-V-A-N-A.com, Carvana.com. Hey, what's happening? It's your boy Q, host of the Locked On Raiders podcast. And I hope you guys feasted on the MyBookie Turkey Day free play that allowed users to grab themselves a risk-free bet up to $250. It was basically a free shot at trying to double your money. If you didn't get in on that, what are you doing? No, but seriously, now is the time to get some skin in the game with MyBookie, where odds boost, lightning deals, and free bets await all season long. And with the NFL playoffs right around the corner, we know who these teams are. We know what they're capable of, and it's not difficult to find some value in the lines. Whether you're a first-time customer or have been playing with MyBookie for years, there is no shortage of value to be found in the thousands of game lines, unique prop bets, and contests that they offer every week. Sign up or get reloaded today. Find an edge, make your bet, and get paid. They also boast a fully-fledged casino platform, giving you access to all the classic table, slot, and card games you'd expect to find at your local spot. 
And the best part is, at MyBookie, the doors never close. So you can continue to build your bankroll even after the stadium lights have gone out. Make the right play and sign up today at MyBookie. And when you do, use promo code LOCKEDON to get your deposit matched halfway, all the way up to 1000 bucks. The terms are simple. You put in $200, they'll match you with another $100 in your account. If you were already planning to bet this season, this is free betting money. It's winning season at MyBookie, so come join in on the fun and win some cash while you're at it. Welcome back to the Lockdown Bengals podcast. We are already on the clock in the what would we do version, the last what would we do mock. And off the board, in order, is Kyler Murray, Josh Allen, Nick Bosa, Brian Burns, Devin White, Montez Sweat, Ed Oliver, Noah Fant, Greedy Williams, and Quentin Williams. So Quentin Williams going 10 is, is pretty out there, but whatever. He's gone. He's not there tempting us. All the guys you expect to be gone Plus, Brian Burns goes, Montez Sweat goes, only one quarterback goes. So the scenario that we're looking at from the Bengals' perspective is something that might happen on draft day, where Jonah Williams is available, Dwayne Haskins is available, Devin Bush is available, and so are some of the other tackles, Cody Ford, Andre Dillard. Juwan Taylor. Juwan Taylor, no tackles have been drafted. TJ Hawkinson is there. Earlier in the podcast, we talked about the fact that we think that it's very unlikely that Hawkinson is a pick. Rashawn and of, Gary. Of course, Rashawn Gary is there as well. So the only other defensive lineman that they probably consider at this point is Christian Wilkins. But I think given the strength at the other positions, yeah. if they are considering a defensive lineman, it's from what we know about the Bengals, it's Rashawn Gary. But this is what Joe and I are doing. So Rashawn Gary is not a consideration here for us. He is not. But who is? You know what I, I like today? Someone sent me a link on Twitter, which that's why we Twitter. Uh, the Bengals did have a visit with Jonah Williams at some point. Some Whoever wrote that article on ESPN.com uh, said that Williams has had a visit with the Bengals. Or so, a meeting somewhere. Yes, sure. And then that it didn't mean official visit, or at least it didn't word that way. It just means at one point he had private time with them. Uh, so that's good. That's a good thing. That means we can check the box that they have made private contact or deliberate contact with Jonah Williams. So that's good. Uh, I like that they have him number six here. They have him number one on on the remaining board. I also am a big fan of TJ Hawkinson, uh, Devin Bush, obviously, Andre Dillard. I think it's this is the scenario. This is what we should hope for on draft day when it comes up. And in order to really feel like if do the Bengals love Dwayne Haskins, because if they do, they take him over some guys that are rated higher. And if they don't, They'll take Jonah Williams or Rashawn Gary or Devin Bush, right? Right. And who do we love out of these players? So the thing is, we probably pick a quarterback here. If 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 it's a Bengals, I don't think that they're unless they're tricking us, I don't think that the Bengals are interested in Dwayne Haskins if these other players are still available, because I think that they have very high evaluations on Jonah Williams, Juwan Taylor, Andre Dillard, Devin Bush. Yeah. Etc. If more of those guys were gone, I think he's a stronger consideration. For and us, if you look, if you right, so I was gonna say, if you look at our board, the top guy for us in terms of grade is T.J. Hawkinson. Um, but we have to value also positional value, right? We have to add that in there. And the next guy after that would be Andre Dillard, Devin Bush, and then Jonah Williams. I think the pick that I like here. Is 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 what the Bengals Bengals are probably going to do if they're faced with this, and that's Devin Bush. Oh, you think that's what where they'll go? I yeah, I I kind of do too. I keep staring at Jonah Williams and saying, you know what? It'd be smart to just take that kind of guy it would and be let smart. him be the face of your offensive line. 
be the leader. I think instantly, honestly, you get two years in a row of guys that are headstrong leader types in, on the offensive line. I, I would love to do that. Uh, I agree. I think facing this scenario, they may say, we need a linebacker. This is what they do, right? We shouldn't assume we're going to go all around everywhere and then come back to the center of what they normally do and how they operate. And I think they go Devin Bush at, in this scenario at 11. But I think I think we go Jonah Williams, and here's why I think we go Jonah Williams because we've had this debate before. We've had people send in questions: Would you rather have Jonah Williams, ex second tier linebacker, ex other tight end, or would yeah. you rather have Devin Bush, the second tier tackle and third tier tight end, or whatever it is, right? And yeah. when we when we compare those things, we go to positional value, and the positional value tilts offensive tackle for sure. But does the depth of the draft say to go offensive tackle at 11. I, I think, Be, I think because the thing depth, there right? is either way you're taking, you're, you're going to have a substantial drop off and here you're getting one of the guys that we think maybe it's Andre Dillard. Maybe you like Andre Dillard better. And we do, I think, right. Slightly better. He's got a good chance to hit his peak because of his athleticism right. and, uh, you know, production scores. So, so our system that we're piloting this year sees Andre Dillard as less of a risk. But the tackle still has, I think, positional value, and there's still a drop-off where, unless you're getting sharping for sure in round three, right. th- then then you feel okay about it, right? And, and then even sure. with sharping, you have questions about quality of opponent that you also have, by the way, with Cody Ford and Andre Dillard. So, And on tape, sharping is a similar athlete to Jonah. He tested way better, but on tape, he looks like just in average to an, to an above average type athlete right you know what i'm saying whereas dillard looks just super smooth and athletic and balanced all the time uh williams is more ready to play no doubt in my mind about it and i think in his own zone scheme and run blocking wise he if i'm picking a guy that's gonna beat out bobby hart this year it's jonah williams it's not andre dillard yeah he's the guy that's the most pro ready you you would think although alabama tackles have had us fooled before this is true. This is true. Very true. Actually, it doesn't have a very good track record. We went over that, I believe, on one of the podcasts last week. Yeah. Uh, Alabama tackles are tapped out, normally making it into the NFL. And you kind of wonder if that's also true with Jonah Williams. We're going to bet that Jonah Williams has the technique, has all of the fundamentals he needs to be a successful tackle in the NFL. And that's what we're going to go with here. The rest of the first round has been completed after we picked Jonah Williams. And the next two picks are the quarterbacks, Dwayne Haskins and Drew Locke, go to Green Bay and to Miami right away. Other interesting picks that we were talking about there, Jawan Taylor goes to the Giants at 17. Devin Bush, of course, goes to the Steelers, which is where he goes 100% of the time the Bengals don't pick him. Cody Ford goes to the Seattle Seahawks, which seems a little too conventional for the Seahawks in the first round. Yeah, Andre Dillard goes to the Texans. The first running back, Josh Jacobs, goes to the Philadelphia Eagles, and we have Josh Jacobs in our in our rankings because of his lack of production in his timeshare situation at Alabama, real low. Yeah, I'm Spoiler. as in like don't even draft him, right? Yeah, let somebody else take the risk, or you know what, take him in the sixth. Right, and he's not going to be there, so that means we're not taking him. Yeah, I don't think I don't think that Josh Jacobs Josh Jacobs is a scary investment. Let's just say that T.J. Hawkinson goes all the way to thirty to the Green Bay Packers, so they end up with Dwayne Haskins and TJ Hawkinson and all the writers in America are writing the Green Bay Packers have won the first round of the draft. And then A.J. Brown, spoiler, a great fit for the Bengals receivers. 
Let's get into the second round and see where we're going. We've got the tackle in tow. Here we go. Now we need to, this is the scenario we just talked about, right? Where it's, is there going to be a linebacker drafted? When's the next linebacker drafted? Do we do it? Do we reach? Do we, and there goes Mac Wilson. One pick before the Bengals and the Broncos at nine in the second round. But I tell you what, Jake, take him. I don't care. Take Mac Wilson. Yeah. We don't want him. I don't want him. Take the temptation away. That's kind of how I feel about it. So Jonah Williams is, is our first round pick looking at the tackles that are still here just to update you on who might be the options in the second round. Titus Howard, I think, is going to be the highest drafted name out of the remaining names of tackles here. Yanni Kajust, David Edwards from Wisconsin, Titus Howard from Alabama State, and Max Sharping from Northern Illinois. Those are the next four names for tackle. Chuma Adoga is also down there, a few names down on the list. Yeah. Of those and names, Titus Howard, I think. You don't Caleb McGarry, do you? Caleb McGarry was picked, I believe, yeah. He was, yes. First pick in round two. How about that, man? McGarry's really... Uh, got some fans out there lately. His his stock has been solidified in the top of round two. I think that that's probably fair to say. Looking at the positions that the Bengals might be evaluating here in the second round, I think if they don't go first round linebacker, they're not coming back to that until the third round unless they really panic. Or maybe they yep. really like Mac Wilson and, and they're going on his film grade and ignoring the rest or whatever. But They've done that before at linebacker. Yeah. and Paul, and Paul Dawson. Yeah, they did do that with Paul Dawson. But that was in the fourth? Third? third. Compensatory third. Yeah. Yep. Um, we'll come back to what we think the Bengals will do maybe on Tuesday and look at what, what we're going to do. And I think we're still looking for the fallers, the positional value kind of guys, right? I'm and glad you keep reminding me that this is what we would do. This is what we would do. And so looking at the top of the board that we're working with today, there are a few safeties and Nasir Adderley from Delaware, who's PFS top safety. Jonathan Abram, who has, I think, the highest film grade for most of the film-only type folks. Uh, and Juan like Thornhill, who is an excellent former corner who plays safety at Virginia. Uh, also noteworthy here is our best corner in the draft, according to our spreadsheet, Justin Lane from Michigan State. I Johnson freaking love Garner, Justin Johnson, Lane. Another safety. Um, and then there's some wide receivers there, too. Joe, yeah. what else do we need to Irv look at? Irv Smith at tight end. Uh, I don't. I'm not interested at this no. spot for Irv Smith. I think this is in, this would be way too early for my taste. Uh, yes, I think we should be looking at the defensive line if possible. And I don't know that there's a guy there that I, that jumps out that I love. I think if we're at the defensive tackle spot here, I tell you who I love. It'd be Anthony Nelson to be mm-hmm. honest with you. And he's an end, or he can kick inside. He'd be working behind or with Kerry Wynn as that. Uh, next guy on that fourth guy in the defensive line in, in your nickel, man, I, I see me personally, I would jump on Anthony Nelson in the spot. We haven't graded very highly, but in the second round, uh, I mean, if we're going to go on what we would do, sure. I, I have no problem with, uh, what we with, would do. Isn't that Juan Thornhill running away? Yes, you're probably right. We would probably take Juan Thornhill and say, you know, what, it's a depth pick. We'll figure it out later. You're right. It would be just like the pick last year where they took Jesse Bates in the second round, and we thought they didn't need a safety, and then they'll go, and, and Sean Williams will play linebacker. He'll get cut. Man, you're not, you're right. Actually, that's how we sell this. We draft Juan Thornhill right now, and Sean Williams is going to play some linebacker because we didn't take a linebacker at 11. The linebacker depth in this draft, at least the second tier, there's a there's a chasm to the next third tier. Uh, yes, that's what we do. We draft Juan Thornhill out of Virginia. Let me tell you guys. You wanted to say, well, what? Juan Thornhill, because we haven't talked about him. He's number seven overall on our board. He is a really good bet for a prospect. 
And and he actually, incidentally, was one of the guys that early was mocked to the Bengals. I remember when the first kind of two, three-round mocks were coming out, he was yeah. a fairly common second-round mock to the Bengals. And this is just, I think it's identical to the Jesse Bates pick last year in terms of we're going with a guy that we think is going to be a really good safety, yeah. and we don't Six care foot, that we have safeties. Six foot, 205. He ran a four four two for a safety he's gonna be our second fastest defensive back at that point uh his tape grade we gave him a 78 out of out of 100 which puts him if you want to know what that means that puts him as a good second round maybe even late first pick based on the tape his production score 96 percentile uh his this rel- yes his relative athletic score 97 percentile he is really good pff loves him Gives him his average grade is an 83.88, which basically let's say 84 in pass coverage and 87 in coverage uh, this past year. And in the, the year before, it was a 76 and versus the run, though. So for a former corner versus the run, his two grades last two last two years versus the run, 87 and 91. He's a three-year starter with 2,300 snaps. He's ready to play. Tackling efficiency it. also 13th of all safeties, which is really, really good. I love it. I love that he has experience playing corner as well. So if he needs to go out there and man up a tight end that's split into the slot or even split wide, he can do both of those things. And he has experience doing it. It should be pretty comfortable for him. Nickel corner could be a need a year out. Remember, Dark West Denard was only signed for one year. So you're not always drafting for 2019, even though I think we found a way to get him on the field. 2020 could find a different way for Juan Thornhill to play. Yeah, that's that's another good point. I think he is probably better at a safety, though. I'd hate to take him out of a position that he's really good at. But, you know, if it gets him on the field, get your best players on the field. It provides you flexibility. If you think of, okay, let's say a a team comes out there, 11 personnel, two wide receivers, two tight ends, and that one tight end they have can flex out and get into the slot. Say you're you're going against Jordan Reed, right, at the Redskins. You want that Juan Thornhill to be able to go out with him and say, you know what, we feel comfortable. Let's do it. Yeah. Uh, other noteworthy picks here in the second round, Paris Campbell goes the very next pick to the Lions. He visited the Bengals and is the run after catch kind of guy that that the Zach Taylor offense probably really wants, which is probably why the Bengals had him in for a pick. A uh, vast majority of his yards, I think 80% of his yards came after the catch. Here's the thing. Since 2011, the Bengals have drafted one receiver that didn't have a breakout year in the 50th percentile in terms of age so this is a factor for wide receivers in determining their nfl success is how old were they when they accounted for 20 percent of the passing or receiving offense in college and for paris campbell he it puts him in like the 30th percentile 36 i think it is uh the Bengals haven't drafted anyone under the 50th percentile since Kobe Hamilton it's the only pick they've made out of like 9 10 receivers since 2011 they've really like the younger guys that break out they've even overlooked athletic testing for a high breakout age like Tyler Boyd so I wonder if even though they had a visit with Paris Campbell if that was to see if is there more to him because right now he's on a fringe of is he even on our list of 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 viable prospects so that will wrap up the second round other noteworthy picks Nasir Adderley goes to the Packers at 12 uh, Chase Winovich, uh, productive, the more productive of the two pass rushers from Michigan, goes to Tennessee at 19. And Justin Lane, our favorite corner, of course, goes to the Pittsburgh Steelers, who, according to our board, are having a very good mock. Fantastic. Draft. Drafting basically two guys in the top 15 uh, would really get their defense in the, on the right track, and we just hate to see it. 
Luckily for us, this is fiction, and in fact, <laughs> yeah. who they're going to draft in the first round is probably Darnell Savage from Maryland, and in the second round, they'll come back and grab, I don't know, maybe... A low-ranking wide receiver. Uh, yeah, let's say uh, Miles Riley Boykin. Ridley. No, don't give him Boykin. Boykin in can the second him. round, though, I'm fine with him taking Boykin. Well, I'm fine with round. it, too, in terms of where we value him, but Boykin can beat you. I mean, he tested like a freak. You get him one-on-one with... Well, I mean, that's uh, kind of realistic for the Steelers, though. Oh, yeah. They they find wide receivers. They're very strict. We're going to talk a little bit about thresholds and and what they typically like at that position. The the Steelers are very strict on theirs, actually. The the idea for me, and it's coming out tomorrow for the Athletic, of eliminating prospects and and narrowing it down based on draft history, I got it from a Steelers writer. So Hmm. because, because of that, because they're very hard at receiver. There you go. So we're now on the clock in the third round. Hakeem Butler goes to the Steelers at 3-2, which is another pick that I would love. Yeah. So thank goodness this is fiction. My God, right? (laughs) I'm just thinking of that. It's funny. Hakeem Butler has a low age breakout percentile also, 30th percent. So Yeah, that is a downside for him. Looking at the things that we're going to look at here, linebackers, defensive linemen, I think. I, I think here's where we're going to start looking at need. We maybe look at quarterback as well. Will Greer is there if you want him. That's right. At linebacker of our top guys, it's Jermaine Pratt. Blake Cashman. Blake, Blake Cashman Cashman's in the third there. round I feel pretty good about. I know. I do too. And looking at it, uh, man, there's still a lot. of. I really like day three linebackers this year. Yeah. <laughs> Just looking at it, there's plenty of guys I'd love to take. I Give me two day three. Give me a guy in the fourth round and a, and a guy in the sixth round. I think we'll find a good linebacker in this class. It's not a great middle group, but top strong and, and bottom heavy. Yeah, so it's a question of do we want to be the next team to take a linebacker and dip into it in the third round, or do we want to wait and grab the one of the four or five guys we like in the fourth okay. round, fifth round? Yeah. Looking at defensive line, Anthony Nelson is still there talking about players we'd pick. Kalen Saunders still there talking about players we'd pick. Yeah. J.J. Arcega-Whiteside is there. Whiteside is there talking about players I would pick. I'm not sure where we go here. Uh, I think Anthony Nelson makes a lot of sense. I think J.J. Arcega-Whiteside makes a lot of sense, looking at where they're ranked on our board. 23 for Arcega-Whiteside, 26 for Anthony Nelson. Hmm. So those so we, guys are wait, – where, where's the next linebacker for on our list right now? Well, that would be uh, – Next guy, I'm scrolling down a little bit. Jermaine Pratt. Is that right? No, it's Ben Burkirvin. I'm sorry. Is 38. And then Jermaine Pratt is 42. Followed by Cashman? Blank Cashman, 48. Okay, so, so they're they're grouped together. We should get next one tier. in the next round. So let's let's go Anthony Nelson. Is that that's the next highest on our board? Fits a positional need. He and our single white side is actually higher on the board. Yeah. But if we start to look at positional value and where they would play, honestly, I'd, I'd be cool with our single white side. Uh, I love our I, single white side. I know. I think he'd be an awesome fit, to be honest with you. And, and it's someone that you know goes on the outside. He does what he does. And you've got the other two guys that are really you're scheming with and for and green and, and Boyd. So I, I could really get in with, a, with an our single white side pick here. But I do think Anthony Nelson has a quicker and better chance. And I think – they want to go D-line, so it makes me want to go D-line and within the first three picks. Mm-hmm. And by getting these guys, I think we're helping linebacker by getting Sean Williams some help at safety so he can move down. And getting that fourth defensive lineman that really can play, I think there's a role for Anthony Nelson. So let's talk about where Anthony Nelson is going to be picked. Is he 
a good bet to be gone before our next pick because from JJ Arcega Whiteside to the next tier of wide receivers is a massive drop off. He's the last guy that I really want out of this list of receivers anytime soon. I can get on board with that. Let's go back to the D line then and see what is the drop off there. If uh, Kayla Saunders is still there, Renell Wren is still there. I know you like both those guys. Kayla Saunders is probably gone. Tristan Hill, right? Yeah. Yeah, and he's a uh, he's a guy that's quickly rising boards. I actually I saw Dane Brugler say the Cowboys could take him in the second round. So Tristan mm. Hill out of Central Florida, keep an eye on him. You know what? The more we look at this list of defensive linemen, I want to roll the dice so we can get a defensive lineman later. I, I feel like I like the guys on the roster right now for the defensive line too enough that like if we can't get an interior rusher, another edge guy. It's okay, and I think that the drop-off from our Sega white side to the, really the rest of the players available here is substantial, and, yeah. and he's our second receiver in the class. He does things that nobody else, especially remaining, can do, and, and you talked about it, so Joe, tell, tell, tell the good people, how does he fit into the Bengals' offense? Because we're going to pick him. Yeah, and I don't that he probably walks in as a number four receiver, right? Because we're still hoping John Ross takes a step. We still have Green and Boyd, even though they're not extended at this point in time. And Ross could be traded in real life in in a week. Honestly, in this week it could happen still, um, because we shouldn't trust anything NFL teams say. But where does Arcega Whiteside fit in? What does he do? He's a big body, big catch radius really good hands but he's a fantastic route runner honestly he reminds me a lot of keenan allen i think he gets deep because he tracks the ball so well because he understands body positioning he can contort his body in air very strong hands uh he's a good player he grades out as our number two receiver in this draft and if he's there in the third round it's not that we wanted to attack wide receiver we've drafted wide receivers before but it's just that we think the value here is so strong and so good that if Ross doesn't pan out and you keep Green and Boyd, then you've got four years still of a young receiver on the outside that can do a lot what Ross does without running a 4-2-2. He gets deep in other ways. And I, I think you put him on the outside, you let him do his work, and you figure out and you scheme and you get open Green and Boyd because that's where your offense is. Our Sega Whiteside would be an awesome number three. I'm excited about our Sega Whiteside. I picked him second round in our dueling mock and have hung my hat on that. Uh, for for the last couple weeks, we made a bad bet though. There was a run on defensive lineman in this round. Uh, Anthony Nelson is gone. That's where you trade up, right? We keep we yeah, talked sure. about when do you trade up with all those six round picks? End of the third, you could probably actually get up from the fourth round to go get an Anthony Nelson in that scenario. Yeah, I think so. Also gone are Andy Isabella, the other receiver we were talking about there, who's probably not on the Bengals list of guys because of his size. But he yep. would be on our list because of his production and his skill set. Isaiah Johnson, his the most size. Athlete. Yeah. Well, we've seen it work, too. There, there's examples all over the league. Tyler Lockett, yeah. you, you name him. Andrew Isaiah, Hawkins here. Yep. Isaiah Johnson, the most athletic cornerback in the history of the NFL Combine, goes to the Detroit Lions at 324. That's a good bet to succeed because nobody that athletic at corner doesn't succeed historically. Right. Uh, we also had Max Sharping and Kalen Saunders go at the end of the round. So a few of our targets, also, Jay Sternberger as well. Yeah, that's what I was going to say, Jay Sternberger. And I was going to uh, mention Lonnie Johnson, also a corner from Kentucky. Tyree Jackson to the Giants in the third round. Sit behind Eli Manning. I like that. Do you? That seems I ridiculous. Do. To do what? It's just they're so different. Oh, no, I just mean to sit him behind him and hopefully learn from Eli for a year or two. 
yeah, has a lot to learn to, to be anything close to what Eli Manning is. Anyway, we're through the first three rounds. We're going to take a quick break and then come back and finish up the last, well, eight picks. So stick with us for really the bulk of the Bengals draft picks. We'll be right back. Support for this podcast comes from CDW and Dell Technologies. At CDWG, we get that migrating your agency to a hyper-converged infrastructure is challenging. Like me switching to decaf. Gotta do it, don't want to do it, but gotta do it. Whoa, slow down, friend. CDWG's experts can help simplify your transition from legacy to hyper-converged infrastructure with Dell EMC solutions that offer speed and agility. Do it, do it. Have you done it? Is it done yet? Why isn't it done yet? IT orchestration by CDWG. People who get it. Find out more at cdwg.com slash dellemc. Support for this podcast comes from The First One with DJ Khaled, a new podcast only available on Amazon Music. What's up, y'all? This is DJ Khaled, and this is The First One. We hear from all the A-list music stars like J Balvin, Nas, and Kelly Rowland about songs that didn't change the game, but changed their life. It's almost like sometimes before you even get in the industry, it's like you set up to fail. And there's so many moments where you can win. And the winning is great, but it's so many things that you go through to get to the win. And so much more who tell their stories about the first hits that took them to the next level, changed their life, overlooked to being overbooked. When I was recording the song, I already knew it was going to be a global hit. And I'm not joking, my G. I really felt it inside of me. I was like, I just can't wait to see a number one. Join me every Thursday with the first one drops only on Amazon Music. Let's go. Welcome back to the Locked On Bengals podcast. It is Mock Draft Monday, the final one before the real thing. I'm so excited. Anyways, we've gone three rounds already. We're going to pick it up in the fourth round. So far, I just want to recap. Jonah Williams at number 11 from Alabama. Tackle is solidified. We go into round two. We take best player available. For us, that's Juan Thornhill, safety from Virginia. I think it gives us some flexibility between a three-safety look and maybe bringing Sean Williams down to linebacker. Round three comes along. We're not happy with who's there completely in terms of filling a need, but a best player available really sticks out for us. A guy we think uh, has a fringe first-round grade and J.J. Arcega, Whiteside, wide receiver of Stanford. Now where are we going in the fourth round, Jake? Well, we're probably going to go linebacker. I just do want to know, it was a very hard pick for us between J.J. Arcega, Whiteside, and Anthony Nelson, who, of course, I mentioned went elsewhere. But what I'm hoping for here is the continued fall of Eric McCoy. Eric McCoy is a center from Texas A&M who I don't think is realistically ever going to be there in the fourth round unless something wild happens. Joe, what do you think? Well, if we want to use our board and, and look at guys that we have very highly, I think Blake Cashman is probably the highest graded guy on our board. I think Josh Oliver would be up there. Yeah. I also think Monty Hooker, even though we already took a safety, so I'm going to set him off to the side and say uh, we'll let some other team have fun with that one because we really like Hooker from Iowa. I would say we should – Go back to linebacker, and even though their board has uh, McCoy high on it, I think we would have Cashman near the top for ours. Where do we have McCoy? Can we? Is that readily available information? Yes, it is. It's right in front of me. And McCoy is one second because he's really athletic. He is, and that's why you think we'd like him even higher than we do. Uh, but he's seventy-five point seven. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Yeah. And he, that comes at number fifty-nine overall on our board which is great value here we're in the fourth round where do we have cashman 46 46 so we have to stick to our board 40 because that's what we're doing we're sticking to our board yep so we like cashman more we like mccoy like him a lot i think the 
not always exactly comparable position to position with our grades, but I still think we take Cashman here for the need. And we already took an offensive lineman. We got to find a way to get these guys on the field eventually. So the only the only one I would throw out there as a real competitor is Tristan Hill, the UCF defensive lineman. Although another one that maybe he'll make it to the next round, but probably not at this point. Probably not. And if not, we got to start targeting another D lineman that can come in here and help us. I still think we go with Cashman. I wonder if the Bengals would because of his arm length. But, uh, you know, I, I like Cashman a lot, and I think he can come in and play this year. And if it's not Cashman here, you could say it's going to be Bember Kerbin, maybe Drew Tranquil if they're okay with the medicals. Uh, who is it? Cody Barton. Cody and Barton. Taki Taki. Actually, Cody Barton, when I'm going through this process of finding the perfect linebacker, and man, he uh I bet he's the pick in the third round if he's there. Just just based on what they used to do uh, yeah. in terms of If they don't take one at 11 and they've had contact with Barton and I just get a good feeling that he fits slides in right at what they like. Yeah. Um we go though to the 5th round and unfortunately for us, Daryl Henderson, Miles Sanders, the running backs that I think the Bengals might like in the fifth round go at one and two in the fifth. And even more unfortunately for us, Josh Oliver, who's our fourth tight end. Third, third, third tight, tight end. end. Comfortably. Comfortably. Goes yeah. two picks before three picks before we are back on the clock to the Lions at five eight. So now Bengals, we're on the clock at five eleven. We're looking at the options here. And we're gonna let our board, our experiment this year of, you know what, production metrics, you tell us when our eyes are lying to us, and you yeah. tell us who we should be looking at here in the fifth round. And Joe, who should we be looking at here in the fifth round? Well, this is the 149th pick in the draft, right? And we've got a guy that's graded as number 61, okay? So this is a BPA for us. But here's the thing. If we just went based on the tape grade, uh, this guy would probably be the lowest tight end we have and here's why and it, and that's probably not fair but uh i wanted to emphasize how much i don't like him on tape and that's caleb wilson from ucla and he's 6'4 240 so uh he doesn't hit the size marks the bengals normally like at 240 there's a couple other things in like vertical and some of his athletic testing but when you watch him he catches a lot of balls his production scores through the roof it's as it's as good as you want it, it suggests he's going to be an all pro type tight end okay they feed him the ball constantly, and he catches it, and he converts first downs, and he's good after the catch. And he makes a couple crazy catches with a guy draped on his back for touchdowns. But when I watch him in it and say, well, Joe, how does he win? I have no clue. He doesn't look like a good route runner. He doesn't look overly athletic. I don't think he is deceptive in his route running or crisp, doesn't snap it off or, or, or really give you anything that can say, yeah, that, that's, that's why he wins. He just – gets the ball a lot and converts. And I don't know what that's worth. So we got a low tape grade for us. And then his relative athletic score, PFF grades and production scores say he's our fifth or sixth tight end on, on our board. I believe he's number he's number five. So he's here still available. We didn't get the tight end we wanted in Oliver. We're kind of trusting our our science nerds over there, our, our you know calculator guys. And we're saying, okay, Caleb Wilson, tight end UCLA. And it's the fifth round too. So that's probably worth pointing out that we're taking a risk on a guy here in the fifth round we didn't get our tight end earlier at this point you're drafting for depth anyway it might be a developmental guy anyway so we're, we're we going to trust say, the process he ran a four five six which puts him in the 91st percentile of all tight ends drafted apparently he's fast but <laughs> you just don't see it all the time on tape the other thing that's worth noting is that he is 
excellent after the catch, about half of his yardage coming after the catch. And you compare that to some of the better tight ends in the class. Uh, Jay Sternberger, also about half of his yardage coming after the catch. I just wanted to find... Uh, and that's part of the reason why I didn't like him is because you don't see him, you know, as a receiver doing a lot. They give him a lot of screens, a lot of uh, scheme stuff for him. Mm-hmm. Hawkinson, less than 50% of his yards after the catch, still good after the catch. So, but Noah Fant, uh, not known to be very good after the catch. And, and just comparing, he, he, Caleb Wilson outgrazed Noah Fant as a receiver dramatically, if you ask pro football focus. Interesting. And that's even with a uh, a drop rate that has hurt Wilson a little yeah. bit. So looking at the other picks here in the fifth round that are noteworthy, Lamont Galliard, a center that we like from Georgia, goes 5-15 to the Washington Redskins. Oli Udo, a tackle that I've seen a yep. lot of you send me in mock drafts, goes a couple picks later to the Panthers. Dylan Mitchell, Oregon receiver, guy I think we should keep an eye on. Stanley mm-hmm. Wilson also, uh, receiver. So a couple guys that here that I think fit, you know, fits the profile perfectly that I did not watch that BC Johnson wide receiver went to the Rams. Never heard of him. Me either. But when I brought up the Bengals profile, he was one of the names near the top. Well, let's get into the sixth round. We have five picks to play with. Let's draft a bunch of dudes. Let's do that. And here I'm, I'm ready to go. Uh, and really round out this roster here. And, and it's funny, the guy, top guy on this board is Miles Gaskin out of Washington. Which isn't probably our top running back. I was just looking for the Notre Dame guy that actually hits the arm threshold, and I think he's been picked. Right, and hopefully we're not drafting a starter for the arm threshold anyways, right? So Dexter Williams, yeah, he went 533. So of That's all right. of the running backs in this class, there's this arm-length thing. And you can go listen to Jim talk about it. Only one running back in the class has arms longer than 32 inches, as far as I know, of the ones on our sheet anyway. And that's Dexter Williams from Notre Dame. And he isn't our top-graded running back, but he's the only one that hits the threshold of a long-term starter in the NFL. And I think there are a couple exceptions Jim talked about, but they are few and far between. Yeah. And that kind of makes you – the Bengals have done it recently. I think Gio and Mark Walton are two guys with sub-32-inch arms. And you may say that's weird, but I think stiff-arming, balance, you know, anytime you can shed tacklers with your free arm uh, helps out running back. So I, seem, I, I think that's what the correlation there is. But at this point, looking – we're sticking to our board and our best player available wherever possible. And at this point, we're going best player available and biggest drop-off. Because there are some linebackers I think that we like more than Max Crosby, the edge rusher from Eastern Michigan. But in terms of where there are drop-offs, there is nobody else that's left that we really like at the edge rusher and that we think is remotely possible for the Bengals. I think Justin Hollins will be the next guy. But he is too light for the Bengals. Yeah. I don't think there's any way the Bengals will draft him. They'd see him as a linebacker, I think, and we're not interested in that. No. So we'll go Max Crosby here, and we pick again in 15 picks, and then we have yep. three picks in the last, you know, three or whatever, four in the sixth round. So we'll see what linebackers we draft. We'll probably draft six or seven linebackers here in the sixth round. What do you think? Why not? But, yeah, Crosby, 6'5", 255. He has just barely sub-33-inch arms. Uh, his is 
production score is pretty good at a 74th percentile. RES at a 96th percentile. He tested really, really well. PFF really likes him too. 84 average grade. In 2017, though, he had a 90 grade uh, as a pass rusher. It dropped to 72 this year. Russ, I think he, he may have been talked about even more had he have had the last year he had uh, in 2017. And then against the run in 18 and 19, a 90 and an 86. He's a three-year really player. Yeah, three-year player, almost 1,900 snaps in terms of pass rush productivity of all edge defenders. He ranks 14th, and in run defense, run stop percentage, 19th. So he's equally good versus both. Now that's lower competition, but that's why we're in the sixth round. And and you would hope that he's going to win if he's against that lower competition. So we're back on the clock here, though, at at 25, and... I think is it time to yeah. take a quarterback? We're, I we think only it is. have we only have twelve picks between this pick and our next pick. Brett Ripping is our next quarterback on the board. Easily. He is total there's number nobody, six. There's He's nobody else that we're quarterback. There's nobody else that we're gonna draft here for quarterback, no. right? And here's the thing with Britt Ripping is he's just okay at everything, but he makes enough big play throws that get me excited. And the nine inch hands come under where you want them to be. Uh but for us he's six two, two ten. I think his tape grade is, is decent. His production score is that of a backup type, 66 percentile. So I think PFF likes him enough. Four-year starter, 3,300 uh, snaps. Yeah, I like Ripien, especially here. He's the backup, ideal backup. Actually, he's kind of a lot like Dalton, but just a little bit more gunslinger mentality down the field. Do you ever consider the developmental Jordan Ta'amu from Ole Miss instead? Yeah, I think I would. And when you look at it in terms of Tiamu is a one-year starter, but really high production score. It may suggest he has a higher upside long-term. But if we're here in the fifth round, are we taking a developmental guy or are we taking someone that could potentially be their backup this year and give them solid time if he has to play? I like Brett Ripien. Okay. Brett Ripien is a pick here with only 12 picks between 30 – or sorry, 25 and 37. Just thinking – you know, he could come in and be your A.J. McCarron backup type instead of having yeah. the huge drop-off to Driscoll and the different style, really, with Driscoll. And it looks like we luck out and we still get our linebacker. Oh, we do, huh? Burke Irvin? Yeah, so we have a choice of linebackers here. Drew Tranquil, Ben Burke Irvin, Sion Takitaki are all guys that are relatively close, especially Takitaki and Burke Irvin. But Burke Irvin, I think, is easily the pick for us here. And we'll just pick three linebackers here. What do you say? <laughs> I wouldn't be against it at all. I think Let's get all you- three of them. You do that, and you're going to come up with a good guy. Here, here's the thing with Burke Irvin. A lot of people are really high on him. His tape is fine. You watch him on tape, and he makes a lot of plays. There's still, he, has, he has issues. We're not Honestly, we're not banging the table for Burke Irvin even at 42, right? We're, we're kind of aware that we're a little bit high on him in our grade. But when you watch him, uh, he runs around a lot. He looks athletic. He's good in coverage. He makes a lot of tackles. And then you look at him, the production score, it's through the roof, the best of these linebackers. His relative athletic score, very high. PFF loves him and loves him in coverage. I don't know why. Sometimes Telvin Smith goes in the fifth round, and we don't know why that happens. But it happens all the time with with a guy you like. And in this case, maybe it's Ben Burkirvan. And maybe he ends up being nothing. But we're in the sixth round, and he's definitely a a chance, based on him hitting every mark, checking every box, he's a chance you want to take on day three. And so we have the very next pick because that was 37. We're, we're back on the clock already at 38. And I think here it's – I'm looking at Michael Dogby. I'm looking at Hjalte, Yalte, Froholt, yeah. Arkansas. He actually is, what, our third? Guard? Is he your fourth? Uh, second guard. 
fifth okay. interior yeah, I lineman. I think I think I'm probably on Froholt because then we just go one more pick and then we pick uh, Michael Dogby with 40. I'm with it. Let's do it. So Froholt is a guard from Arkansas. Nasty, Ron Higdon, powerful. actually. Uh, quickly, before we talk about him, Higdon was a running back I was going to talk about taking, and he just went in our in in the sandwich pick. He went 39 to the 49ers. Great. So at least at least everybody's on the same page there, and we'll take Dogby to round it out. So Froholt is a guy that our friend Ryan really likes. Royal Redlegs, our offensive line check in. He really likes Froholt. Yeah. Uh, has a really good athletic score. Really good pass protection and he's gonna go higher twenty eighteen. I think so. Yeah. I think people are gonna like him. Uh, and then we come back and take Michael Dogby, who was a defensive tackle for Temple, played a lot of nose tackle, even at six three, two hundred and eighty four pounds. So a little bit light, all right. So he doesn't hit that that we normally like. Uh but thirty three inch arms, which is nice for a guy his size, production score eighty first percentile, relative athletic score ninetieth percentile. He's actually really good versus the run in 2018. Uh, he was just okay as a pass rusher in, uh, from PFF. Three years, 1,700 snaps. When you look at his product, pro, pass rush productivity, he was 10th among all interior defensive linemen. Run stop percentage, 28th, which is still average. Uh, Dugby is a really good pick here. Honestly, I wouldn't be surprised that Dugby ends up going much higher on draft day. Oh, yeah, you know the pick. There he is. You already know it. I do know the pick, and it is our second overall running back, I believe. Is that correct? Yeah, Darwin Thompson from Utah State. We're getting our second overall running back here in the seventh round. Darwin Thompson is our second overall running back because he has good athleticism and excellent, excellent one-year productivity from Pro Football Focus. Uh, Comes in with an average production score, but really good rushing grades and was first amongst pro football focuses running backs in this draft in elusive rating, which is his ability to make guys miss, get yards after contact. When defenders tried to tackle him, he avoided the tackle on 41.7% of his first contacts, and he had an average of uh, 1.91 yards per route run. Yards per route run. That is a mouthful. It's top 10, though, for all it's top those. top 10. He's, yeah. he's one of the very few guys in this draft class who is good as both a rusher and a receiver. The knock on him, I think, only 426 snaps. Yeah, one year. He was a JUCO transfer, so he got his chance this year to play, and he declared early. So he still had another year, another year of eligibility. And, yeah, he's our number two running back. It's kind of embarrassing he's num- our number two, honestly, when I look at it. This class is not good. Even though I like Miles Sanders and Bryce Love, those guys, he barely edges them out. So we're we're splitting hairs here. You could put Darwin Thompson number four if you wanted to. But either way, we're in the sixth round, right? And this is a fantastic pick. That was the seventh round. That was the seventh. That was our last pick? That's Great. Our last a pick. plus. Stamp. So- seal of approval. So here, here's our picks, 1 through 11. In the first round, Jonah Williams. In the second round, Juan Thornhill, safety, Virginia. In the third round, receiver, J.J. Arcego-Whiteside from Stanford. Fourth round, Blake Cashman, linebacker, Minnesota. Fifth round, Caleb Wilson, tight end, UCLA. And one of the more interesting picks we made, because this is one where our tape grade disagrees the most with our analytics that really bumped Caleb Wilson up. In the sixth round, we come back and take a small school edge rusher in Max Crosby, who has good athleticism, really good productivity. Uh, then we have four more picks still in the sixth round because we didn't trade up at any point, like for Anthony Nelson, maybe in the fourth round or third round or whatever that was. 
Josh um, Oliver. Josh Oliver too. Yeah. Had a couple opportunities to trade up for guys that we like significantly more than the next on the list, but uh, Brett Ripien to play backup quarterback to Andy Dalton. We have some concerns about his hand size, especially, but he was a four-year starter at Boise State. Lots of productivity to his name. Could come in and be an AJ McCarron. Keep the train moving kind of backup if Dalton goes down for a couple games here or there. Then we get our third linebacker, I believe, in terms of the metric adjusted grade and Ben Burkhurvin from Washington, yeah. who we've talked about a lot on this podcast. And then Yalte, I have no idea how this guy's name is actually pronounced. Yalte Froholt, the guard from Arkansas, who is probably going to go much, much earlier this on draft day. I think as... you have to say the H and the J together. Yalte. Yalte. Well, I'm just thinking of Fjord, right? F-J-O-R-D. Okay. Fjord, Yalte. Yeah, Yalte. Yeah. Something like that. And That's we get an, another guy in the sixth round that also is very unlikely to be there at that point in time, and Michael Dogby, who's an undersized offensive tackle from Temple. We wrap it up with Darwin Thompson, who is you know anywhere from our second to fourth running back. But I don't think we did. We go below our top one hundred at any point in this draft. No, no chance. So we no got chance. eleven. No, we no got eleven guys here in our top one hundred on our board. Yeah, who's the lowest? Dogby, and we like him. So yeah, <laughs> I would assume it's Dogby. Right. This is uh no, this is an A plus based on our board. If the Bengals did this, I would say they're gonna win a Super Bowl. <laughs> Just because I think they'd go and end up getting five, six, seven guys that are gonna contribute out of those eleven picks. And honestly, I think all eleven could eventually help them. Uh and I would say their roster is gonna end up being one of those top five rosters in the league again. And there's Doug, but you got him there. So he's one oh one oh seven on our board. Uh, so we did have to dip out a little bit, didn't we? Just barely in the sixth round. Gosh darn it. Even, even Brett Ripien is in our top 100 there. Amazing. So if the draft goes like this on draft day, I mean, of course, Joe and I are going to be happy because we're drafting best player available according to our board, which is very different, apparently, from the boards of the robots in this fan speak mock. Of course. And that's the what, what's the lesson we learned today, kids? Stick to your board. You know what our board says. That's right. And the best podcast available is the Lockdown Bengals podcast. You can find that podcast, of course, as always, on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and the Himalaya app. That's right. Which is an exciting new app. Good way to get a curated list of podcasts daily. And we are daily this week, as it is draft week. It's the best week of the year. And the countdown to draft miss is on. I hope you stay with us as we have one, two, three more sleeps. Depending on when you're listening to this, three more sleeps until draft miss 2019. Until then, have a good one, Bengals fans. Did you watch the 2020 Reds with higher expectations than a first round wild card exit of epic proportions? Did you think that the Reds hitting would come around with the signings that they made last offseason. Are you wondering who is asking you all of these questions? Hi, my name is Jeff Carr, and I host the Locked On Reds podcast each and every day, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team 
every day. Throughout the offseason, I'm going to take a look at these Reds, how they fix what didn't work in 2020, and how they continue their success in 2021. But wait, there's more. I'll also have interesting interviews with players, writers, and everyone in between talking about the Cincinnati Reds. Come join me on the Locked On Reds podcast each and every day.